0: What's happening, my friends? What a beautiful Sunday! It's the thirty-first or the thirtieth, and uh, of August. Now it's the thirtieth of August, two thousand twenty. Pretty good weekend. Yesterday was a little bit of a washout, but today was uh, real beautiful. So we had some work done on the house. Had my friend Bud Weiser come over and install some lights. He's an electrician. Needed some more uh, ambiance in our living room. Got this ghetto-ass ceiling fan with uh, weak sauce, fluorescent lights. We need to get some fucking some lighting balls in there. So he worked on that. I knocked out some paperwork, carved up a... I put, like, a few hours on a uh, notary sign. My friend Donna is a notary. And while I've been carving parrots and sea turtles and shit, she's been like, what the fuck? Where's my notary sign? So I had to deliver on that. After that, I'm going to begin, Lily and I are going to begin making our pinekins. That's right. For the fall, the pinekins shall return. And I have another cool uh, design that one of my chainsaw carving pals was nice enough to share. It's a, like a stack of wheat, like a harvest pile of hay or wheat, something like that, carved real nice. Like the farmers used to do that, they you will know, get in the fields and manually take their pitchforks and pile shit up, right, at the end of the summer. I guess, presumably, that's what the animals are going to eat. So, got a couple designs there to add to the pinekins, maybe come up with something. I got another friend who wants me to put a turkey together, some sort of rustic-looking turkey. problem with that is, how do you do that quickly. How do you do a quick carve so that you can do a bunch of them? You know, it might be able to be done. Maybe I can take a half a, half a tree trunk, cross-section of tree trunk and scallop it so it looks like the uh, the feathers in the back, the plumage. We'll see if we can do it. At the very least, I'll get it done for her. And here I pass a garden center. they got all these plywood shit. Competition is stiff, my friends. But people really still do like handcrafted stuff. So let me knock out some of these podcasts here. I had a series of things that I wanted to mention. Okay, the first topic is going to be called Toads, Turds, Tiger Snails, and Garter Snakes. Oh my. Toads, Turds, Tiger snails and garter snakes. Oh, my. So just outside of our garage, we get the garage door open. we got that automatic, you know, friggin' 2020 edition where you exit. That's our main entrance to the house, in and out through the garage. We've a sidecar garage set up. I don't know if you can imagine that. If not, go fuck yourself. When that garage door rises to my left and right outside of our two car garage there are wildflower patches and these are like rich ecosystems. We got these toads that I've mentioned in previous podcasts. These toads there's a big one and a little one. Somehow they get up on our front steps you know. It's like three, four foot off the ground toads will hop up there the big ass one. And I say big ass I'm not kidding. They take big shits and they're all full of exoskeletons. Remember I told you about that? These toads are out there. And there are these tiger snails, which are about the size of your ring finger. And they've got a stripe down on down the back so they look like tigers. So I call them tiger snails because that sounds tough. Uh, once upon a time, I stepped on one of these things with a flip-flop. And my foot... <laughs> Excuse me. My foot slid out. Like I was on freaking like I was on a freaking tile floor that you just poured a olive oil container on the floor. That slippery is what I'm trying to say these tiger snails. So we got toads, taking turds. We got tiger snails that are cruising. Last night I go out to take uh, the trash out and take my dog out to take a leak. And I like to piss in the yard myself. Me and Mommy go out there and do that. So I head out there. And there's a garter snake halfway poking out of my uh, wildflower ecosystem. And there's a little toad, maybe about... I don't know, maybe two-inch toad, something like that, two-inch diameter. The small one was being stalked by a garter snake, and that garter snake, that Momi of course oblivious, walks right by. That garter snake was—I guess it it didn't seem like it, it had the the girth to accommodate that sort of a meal, that kind of a meal in the form of um, a a medium-sized toad. But you never know, man. Garter snakes, to us, they might seem like they are, you know, harmless and chill. Oh, just a garter snake, don't worry. Those fucking things will eat. I'm sure they're vicious, depending upon the, the prey consideration. So this is interesting, and there's praying mantises. Praying manti. That are all over the damn place. Imagine if we were this, if we were this similar size to these, all these creatures—garter snakes and toads and turds and praying mantis—it would be crazy out there. We would be, we would make for a quick meal. So we're lucky that we are the scale that we are, because we'd be screwed. So there's that. Next, I want to share with you a story that I call. Lomi Lomi and God with a capital G so the other day I had a patient come in and uh, it was Friday so I'm, you know, but he's getting ready for the weekend, took care of his patient and I just, I'm checking her out at the front desk she's got, um, she, she picks up a brochure from our massage therapist whom I love I've known her for 15 years she's one of the most genuine, kind, person people that I know just love her, and she's a great massage therapist. She's she's really uh, talented and caring, and really probably one of my top ten people. So hopefully, this podcast is still going. Yeah, good. Okay, so Lomi Lomi is a uh, so my backing up my patient says, "Hey, check out this oh massage. I didn't know you do." massage? Ooh, what's a Hawaiian massage? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawaiian massages. And I was like, you know what? Barb, come out of the back. Hey, Barb, what's a Hawaiian massage? What's a lomi lomi? And she comes out and she explains that it is, she's trying to explain. Now, again, I love Barb dearly, but she's like, try and articulate it. She's like, oh, well, Lomi Lomi, what it is, is like an island massage. It's really relaxing and uh, it's really just gentle and not a very deep tissue massage, but it's really all the elements of an island sort of massage experience with the, the feel-good and the smells and the, the music and everything except for the spiritual stuff. And... She starts elaborating on, you know. Like, I, I didn't think it was necessary to even mention that. But Barb is a very good Christian woman. And I love and respect her for that. But I said, <laughs> I couldn't help but remark. Yeah, it's a spiritual. Uh, you know, it's a... She's like, yeah, I'm trying to articulate that. I said, it's like the island massage without the uh, volcano worship. It's the island massage without the, you know, shamanic rituals or whatever. Uh, But Barb's like, yeah, well, uh, Dr. O knows because uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and uh, I'm into God with a capital G. And I thought, come on, man. First of all, why do you even need to explain that it's just come up with a spiel that is like it's an island massage it's extremely relaxing imagine yourself on a beautiful beach with waves breaking upon the shore it's gonna smell like a hawaiian tropic uh you know suntan lotion and it's gonna feel very good and I'm going to have this certain type of music on, so it's an experience that is very much something that I think of when we go, if you were to go to the islands and have that massage experience. That's all it is. And people, when they ask about, ooh, what's this technique? What is uh, shiatsu? What is this, that, and the other thing? Like, I'm no master. I I fumble with my thoughts and my, um, to articulate things as well, but... Like to mention, to make sure that you point out that it's, uh, there's no spirituality involved in a Hawaiian massage. It's, to me, it like, it slights people that believe other things. Like, it doesn't matter. You, nobody expects you to be um, speaking in native Hawaiian lingo and throwing um, virgins into volcanic you know, craters calderas, ooh, that's a good term it doesn't matter nobody's going to think that you're sacrilegious or no, I don't think Jesus Christ or his father are going to take any offense to um, to you doing an island massage anyway I thought that was, it was interesting to me how, uh, talking about theology and spirituality, how everybody's got their, like, oh, well, God with a capital G. What is that? You know, somebody else is down the road is Muslim, and they believe this. and Okay, so you're a Christian? You could be Christian and be a massage therapist. It kind of burned my britches a little bit not enough to really give too much of a shit, but it was an interesting observation, and I hope that this patient uh, ascribes to uh, the massage therapy at our facility, because Barb is the best. So that's the one thing. Those are the two stories that I had to tell. Let's see if I can conjure up the third. We got Lomi Lomi guy with a couple G. We got Toads, Turds, and Tiger. Snails, garter snakes, oh my. Oh last night we watched my wife's one of my wife's favorite movies. Perhaps her favorite movie ever is strangely enough A Few Good Men. Momie, you okay, babe? Momie panting in the backseat, we're coming back. She was swimming in the lily pads. I'll post a video about that. So we're watching a few good men and holy shit, man, great movie, and I'm taking it all in, and they're, you know, going through the, hey, should we bring up Colonel Jessup on the stand, and, you know, there's all this uh, to-do about uh, honor, courage, commitment, and the code, and something called uh, a code red, where basically it's hazing, so my wife, uh, Mandy, she turned to me, she says, is that, is that really happening, it's a code red? as a former Marine, does that, does that happen? Like code reds said, yeah, you know, it's, it's hazing. It's, uh, especially back in the day, these were very commonplace. They call them blanket parties or hazing or code reds is not something that I've ever heard of, but, uh, FYI, Marine infantry units, very, very, um, Fraternal, very proud, very cohesive, and everybody needs to be on the same sheet of music, or else people die. The whole Jack Nicholson spiel about how Did you ever put your hands in, you ever put your 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 life in another man's hands? Ask him to put his in yours. Uh, you know, freaking going on and on about how you know you sleep under the blanket of freedom that I provide. It's all good shit, and it's true. And there's some. Unfortunate realities about war fighting and training for the same and service that require a and a special devotion to duty. And so I was just watching that and taking it all in and thinking about um, whether that was right or wrong. Like whose side? What was I on? the, The movie. Uh, in particular, Tom Cruise's character, it was all about like, we got to get these guys because this is a principle of the thing. They they killed this kid. Now, they didn't mean to. They meant to punish him, but he happened to be, uh, you know, have a tendency. Uh, he had a, a heart condition. And they pushed him as hard, hard, you know, in training and protected him as best as they could, his, his uh, peers. And then when the word came down from the colonel, now I don't know if if a colonel is necessarily ordering uh, blanket parties and code reds and hazing and stuff. I mean, I saw a colonel and a a first sergeant, so the highest enlisted and officer uh, ranking individuals in my unit, I saw them receive um, these hazing rituals. Out of 29 bombs, that was in peacetime. So, I know they know about it. And I know they probably overlook it. They know it happens. And yes, people can get hurt. And yes, it's stupid. Some of the things. And, it, and things get out of control sometimes. And somebody could die. I mean, when I went in, they were... Uh, everybody got three slaps on your abdomen. It was a pink belly ritual. So, they take everybody and stuff you in a in a small barracks room talking about like 20 or 30 new marines and all the guys who were who had their rank or higher got three slaps on their belly and these guys, you know, they pour canteens of water on you and hold you down and smack you around and stuff and berate you and you're in this tight quarters and all that so it was terrible and People walk out with broken blood vessels and crazy, you know, they're all fucked up. But kind of, it was kind of like, uh, hey, welcome aboard sort of deal. You have to go through this because we went through this. But I don't know that that colonels, uh, high-ranking officers, are necessarily involved in this sort of thing for the most part. Typically, in my experience, it's enlisted ranks, maybe low-ranking officers as part of a unit um, would, would know about something like this. I don't think they would order it. The whole idea, and a lot of it's driven by the enlisted ranks, uh, which these guys that were on trial and a few good men, they were enlisted. And the guy, Lieutenant Kendrick, was played by Kiefer Sutherland. And he did a great job. He was like the ultimate dickhead. Like the world, I—the only, the only two men I listened to in my life are Colonel Nathan Jessup and the Lord our God. Like I'd follow this guy to the ends of the earth, sort of thing. There's a pride in that. There's a tremendous uh, confidence uh, uh, in, for you to have confidence at, of that magnitude in another individual. That's tremendous. It's ridiculous on some level. But it's, uh, it suggests it reveals a cohesiveness that you're not going to find in most other settings. So the enlisted ranks would have taken this kid if he was falling out of runs and, and, and fucking up uh, on it, walking his post and stuff. He would be punished in various ways ranging from going on working parties where they had to, you had to clean shitters or, uh, clean weapons or clean buildings, clean, you know, whatever. Do pointless cleaning assignments, um, they make you do push-ups, they haze you, make you do extra physical training. They keep you behind and make you stand duty on the weekends. So you had to be the guy walking around with the the uh, thick belt with the uh, brass emblem on it, and a and a, you know, make sure that the area was all secure. And somebody was there to answer the phone about orders of business having to do with the the company or whatever your unit was. So they give you extra work to do. They humiliate you. They'd make you do physical training and otherwise just give you a hard time for being what's called a non-hacker. And that is somebody who is slow, who is not proficient, who is always in trouble, who is always fucking up. And they give you assignments in order to teach you a lesson. Of course, calling you names and all that stuff. The thing is... What's, what's a beautiful thing, you know, in a way, and, I, and a lot of things were going through my mind during, you know, while we are watching this show, but I was trying to think, I was pondering whether or not this is a good thing, whether it's a good thing to be, um, you know, that that element of service exists. Like, what's cool about being in a unit that has its shit together and being part of a team like that is that everybody knows what to do. Every there's a there there is a mutual confidence about your you know the team that you're on. Your team members they know what their peers are capable of. If you're going out on patrol, um, you know you have confidence that the person who is on point and is running a compass or a GPS or terrain associating or whatever that they know they're going to be able to get you where you need to go. And if somebody is uh, carrying uh, the medium or light machine gun, if somebody's got a weapon system, as your team leader or squad leader has the confidence knowing that they're going to be able to employ that weapon system. Right? And if, you know, this notion that you do what you say you're going to do, what you're supposed to do, that if somebody is in the fighting hole and there's two guys in per fighting hole and the fighting hole is stretched across across this valley or whatever and you're, you know, there's got to be 50% alert, that means that half of the individuals, that means one individual per fighting hole, one of that pair is going to be awake at all times and alert and ready to hold the line. Because if there's a break and everybody falls asleep, there's a break in the line and the alertness, well, the enemy might infiltrate and might kill you all. And you can't, you know, succeed in a mission like that. So, looking at that movie and watching the way it depicts the various players, like, um, you know, the the Marines got their licks in, Jack Nicholson and Keeper Sutherland and um, and the other Marines. Like, the, the point was made, like, well, these guys really, uh, you know, Demi Moore even said, well, I like that. But why do you like them so much? Um, Kevin Pollack said, she, Demi Moore said, because they stand on a wall, they guard us a wall and say, nothing's going to hurt you today. Not on my watch. And I think that that is awesome. That the notion of that that somebody is protecting us while we sleep is unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. That's one of the things that makes people serve. That, like, look, I'm on watch. I got it. I got you. I will take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do my job. There's a pride in that. And that's cool that they really highlighted that. They, they got that across. And then there was Ke- uh, Lieutenant Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, and he was all about uh, how can I lawyer this and, and, and win this case because this is unjust and I'm trying to do the right thing. And even Kevin Bacon, who did a great job, he was the defense. He uh, he did a great job. And like at the he, he wanted uh, he wasn't sure what the the outcome, what the, what was just essentially. But he, his job was to um, protect the unit, protect the commanding officer, and make sure that he wasn't the commanding officer, Jack Nicholson, wasn't smeared unnecessarily, because this sort of shit happens, and young Marines do take things into their own hands. And that's true. And I believe if something like this happened and a, and a Marine dies, if a Marine died or a soldier died in the line of duty, and even if it was the enlisted personnel that were responsible for it. Um, those officers would be relieved of their command for letting, because something like this happened on their watch. So there's a responsibility even in absentia. So... It was definitely an interesting show to revisit and i know why mandy loves it so much it's just an awesome show and it made me proud of the organizations that i have been a part of and you know to some degree it bothered me it sickened me uh that that would happen that 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 it could happen that there's some truth to that sort of thing and i resented the the lawyers who were trying to meddle in that because yeah if, if it came down to national security, you definitely want people guarding that wall, so to speak. Um, like Colonel Jessup, you definitely want them to exist, but they can't operate in, in with impunity. And, you know, having served in that environment... Of course, I've seen the movie a million times, but definitely a great movie, and... It was a good watch. Gives me chills every time I watch that. And Jack Nicholson gives his spiel. And then he gets burned at the end. He he got caught. He got caught. um, He got riled up. He allowed... Even though it was just that he... um, He's going to be court-martialed, essentially, and arrested. Because he ordered the code red, right? He ordered this kid to be punished. Not killed, but... Punished harshly, and taught a lesson. So he should he should uh, be prosecuted. But it's interesting that he was so philo- he was so philosophically pure, so driven, so brainwashed about like, wow, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip out your eyes and piss on your dead skull. <laughs> he caught himself like crawling out of a fighting hole you know, or the jungle of Vietnam or whatever being a warrior and there's a line that we can't cross, you know, being a warrior is awesome but a big problem that soldiers have, marines etc. coming uh, out of the military once they uh, once their enlistment is over a big problem that they have, a challenge is that they still behave as though they're serving. And I, you know, I'm kind of like that myself. Like I talk all the time about how you know, how how I'm I'm a free man and and uh I'm going to, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to operate the way that I want to operate and I got a potty mouth and I'm not going to curb that for this or that or the other. So there, there's an imprint that the Marine Corps has placed upon me, just having served in that environment for a measly four years. And I always say that because it's, um, you know, there are people that are staying their entire lives and they commit, um, they dedicate their careers to serve service. And so compared to them, I'm nothing and I served in peacetime, but to have experienced that is a tremendous thing and it leaves an indelible imprint upon you, your heart, your mind, your body, like this is who I am and I'm, I served and I'm like, almost like you're entitled to something of respect or uh, the, the, uh, the freedom to behave that way. Because of some of the things you've seen and experienced in your life. And extrapolate that to everything else you do. And that is one of the things that I think that, that has given me a lot of success. Is the work ethic and the, the uh, philosophies that I took away from being a Marine. In my service for so long. I did the Dr. Drill thing for 15 years. So I basically completed uh, <laughs> the time in, in service in, in some way my dedication and devotion to, um, to service and that, that whole deal. So it was interesting to watch that. And now we're coming to the end of, uh, another weekend and we're going after it this week. Kids are going back to school after Labor Day. My wife and I are going back to teach this week. And it's gonna be stressful. We're gonna get through it though. Alright, I wanna wish you guys the best of luck in at with the same. I know that everybody's under stress. You got a bunch of shit going on. Anything I can do to help, I certainly will. Thought I'd share those stories with you. Ha! <laughs>